Hi everyone. Before we get started with today's episode, I just wanted to let you know that you can now support Crisis Twink with a small monthly donation to help support future episodes and operating costs. There's absolutely no pressure to do this. Culture Pig and Crisis Twink will always be free, but any and all donations are highly appreciated. If you go to the show notes in whatever platform you're using to listen to this podcast, there should be a link marked listener support, and you can choose to contribute however much you want in just an easy monthly donation. So if that is something that you want to do, which you know, I mean, very chic look for you to do that. Very sexy, very cool to be financially generous. Come on, sugar daddy. Yes. Yes, God. Hunty slunty sleigh, I say. Um, it would be really nice if you did it. So, And it is very unhinged to be doing this. And everything I just said for the past like 10 seconds is so unhinged. But uh, yeah, absolutely try doing a donation if you can. Thanks. And on with the show. Hey girlies, welcome to Crisis Twink, the podcast where we ring the alarm about cultural emergencies. Whether it's a flop album, an insane headline, a problematic fave, or just something that needs to be urgently discussed or you'll die, we're going to revive it and make sure it gets the medical assistant it so desperately needs. My name is Drew Haskins, and I'm the only twink who can save a culture in crisis. Joining me today for the first episode of 2022 is dear friend Allison Swimmer. Hi. Hi, Drew. Thanks so much for having me. Well, thanks you so much for being here. It is such a momentous occasion, I feel like. I honestly could not think of a better way to start my year. That uh, That's shocking to hear, but I uh, I definitely appreciate it. How is your 2022 so far? I feel like it's, like, usually, like, the years do not feel that different to me, but something has shifted. Um, I realized today that so far this year, I've unintentionally been both a vegan and sober. Oh my God. But I don't really see this continuing for me. I think I'm just, you know, starting off in a, in a new headspace and making some healthy choices. That's so great. Um, I wish I were there with you. I literally had cookies for breakfast today, so not exactly doing that, but I did have sweet green for lunch, which I think, and like the law of equals kind of balances out a little bit. Are you big into like resolution culture? No, I think I, you know, I was thinking about this this year and not to toot my own horn, but I think a lot of my bad habits have kind of kicked in the past few years. So not resolutions in the sense that I need overarching lifestyle changes, but more goals and things to kind of keep top of mind and drive me for the year. Okay. Um, I don't think resolutions set people up for success. I fully agree as someone who largely thinks that God got it right the first time. I definitely think like goal oriented stuff is better. And I think that like, that should be like the mindset people should be in rather than like fixing flaws. Like I think you always want to keep improving and always want to keep doing the best you can and keep being the best version of yourself, not to be such a cliche, but I I don't think you're necessarily setting yourself up for, for success. If you want to totally go cold Turkey on something or do something drastically different than you have for the past however many years of your life. Um, I think be kind to yourself, but also have high expectations for yourself. I think being in a place like Chicago makes it hard to go cold turkey on things too, because like for the, for whatever, for January and February, it is so cold. You're always inside. So like the workout stuff feels hard to attain just because like, how are you going to do anything like if you can't leave your apartment or whatever and then if you're home all day it's like well what is there to do except like indulge and whatever yeah several trips to the snack drawer in one hour right I think that's the thing I miss most about working from home is that the snacks aren't just readily available for me at all hours of the day oh I know like I am so I mean I mentioned my cookies earlier like I'm someone who like bakes and cooks out of boredom too like especially during early pandemic I was just making like pints of ice cream and like sheets of cookies and stuff just to like have around 
to have like what else was I going to do all day and I feel like I've already sunk into that a little bit this year but I've also somehow managed to work out a little bit to like counteract even though I was like basically figure skating on my way to the gym today because they've not <laughs> cleared the sidewalks in Hyde Park yet but We're going back to our initial theme of balance yeah <laughs> see that's it's all about equilibrium if you think you can get there Yes, you that's can all probably get there. Sure. Oh, that's so beautiful. Okay, I think it's time for our first game. Can we wait. are going to play Go Call the Governor. So I am going to present you with three cultural scenarios from recent and or ancient history, and you're going to decide whether or not the governor needs to be called. There are no wrong answers here, but your choice is binary. Does the governor need to be called or not? Great. So okay. cool. I really apologize in advance for today's topics. We were talking about this off pod, but nothing happens in the week between Christmas and New Year's. So like, we're really like scraping the bottom of the barrel today for things. So um, scenario number one, the jury is deadlocked in the Elizabeth Holmes trial. Does the governor need to be called or not? Governor needs to be called immediately. I don't understand how there's any sort of gray area in this situation. I don't know if you read the book Bad Blood. That was all about mm-hmm. her and Theranos. And it's a nonfiction book, but it honestly reads like fiction because it's so wild what she did and just her background and who she is. And it's just so confusing to me how there can be any sort of ambiguity that's not entirely against her and I I just am a little confused about what sort of evidence was presented to be potentially in her favor so not to dox you on air but you are wearing a turtleneck right now for this recording black no not black but what so like what do you think about like the pathology of your fellow turtleneck queen okay well I feel like maybe my choice of a sweater was poor at this moment in time but oh, no, no, no. you're you're in a beige turtleneck versus the black turtleneck like it's like there are two wolves inside you you could be you're either a beige turtleneck girl or a black turtleneck girl the angel or the devil on your shoulder okay well thank god i'm not the black turtleneck girl i do not want to identify with this uh, kind of person <laughs> i do admire her utter tenacity and drive and her being so narrowly focused on her goal to harken back to our previous conversation mm-hmm. But the way she went about it, and also it's it's not, this is quite literally a life or death situation. This is, yeah. there, it's not like there are no consequences to this. It's not just for fun. She is telling people they have some deadly disease when they don't or vice versa. People's lives are at stake here. So she has this dream. Steve's job. She has this dream to be the queen of Silicon Valley. She dropped out of Stanford, right? Clearly on paper, an impressive person, a, a prodigy, if you want to call her that. But yeah. I think she's a psychopath, sociopath, whatever you want to say about it. Mm-hmm. Clearly has no sense of guilt, has no sense of what is morally correct or not. And people's lives are being turned upside down due to her actions. Employees resigning left and right, being fired left and right, just truly ruining people's lives. Yeah. I think like one of the things that kind that's kind of lost in all this is like how genuinely horrific her actions are. Like a friend of the pod and I mean, friend of us outside the pod, Ali Hardebeck talked on her episode about how a lot of the coverage of the Holmes situation has been about how like quote unquote, like girl bossy it is to scam all these male tech tycoons out of the money. But what's lost in that conversation is the actual human voices on the other end, like dangling this technology like a carrot and then stripping it away is heinous. Right, she's being charged for fraud, but think about what the fraud that's being committed is. Yeah. It's saying that this technology works to proposedly help people and save them from these life-threatening diseases that there's simply no basis for. Yeah. Like, I think fraud is one of those terms too, that is sort of like, it takes away the human element of it too. Like, I don't know if you watch like housewives or anything, but one of the real housewives of Salt Lake city is charged with wire fraud this season. Mm. And she's facing like, um 10 to 30 years in jail like it's like a pretty serious charge because 
like the wire fraud what her scheme was like defrauding elderly people out of their like pensions and savings terrible terrible like she she would like call and like pretend to be people's like grandkids or whatever on the phone which is like so horrible but like you hear a term like wire fraud and you're like oh like this is just like she's like transferring money weirdly she's like doing all this stuff and that's like no like she's but the poor people, people were victims of this yeah, yeah. it's taking away their very livelihoods yeah I don't know I it's very easy like Elizabeth Holmes I do think objectively is like a wacky figure it is sort of I think it is so funny still that she deepened her voice to like hi I'm Elizabeth <laughs> Holmes levels to, to like gain authority and it worked like I wish I had known to do that when I was like 22 or something I feel like <laughs> I'd be in a very different place than um podcaster right you know, now it could get you so far I know like I don't know it's it is tough to see all this and I, I have not really kept up with the trial enough to know why they're like deadlocked on all this, but it seems pretty clear cut to me. I agree with that. All right. I think we should move on to the second topic. Flaky sea salt. Does the governor need to be called? Absolutely not. As okay. a fellow baker, you can do no wrong with flaky sea salt. I think time and place, it shouldn't be overused. It shouldn't replace yeah. your salt in cooking. But to sprinkle it on top of some cookies or some brownies, I think that is chef's kiss. I 100% agree in practice. Like, I think it makes everything taste so much better. What I have, I think it's passe to use flaky sea salt as like a selling point these days, though. Like, I think we're beyond the point where it's a recipe. It shouldn't be like flaky sea salt chocolate chip cookies. It's just cookies and then the flaky sea salt's no different than adding the sugar or the brown sugar. Got it. I, I agree with that. I don't think it's like a selling point anymore because every everyone's doing it. So it's not really like special or yeah, exactly. It it doesn't like differentiate yourself. Like everyone knows at this point that like sweet and salty is good. So it doesn't hold the same weight as brown butter, for example. No, brown butter still is like exotic. Like there's something like intriguing about brown butter. Mm. I think I agree with that. I don't know. Maybe this, uh, like, I am definitely someone who uses, like, Maldon sea salt on everything I bake. It's so good, but, like, I'm not out here, like, clanging pots and pans about it like some of these places are. That's interesting you say that. I recently baked salted pretzel brownies, Mm. and I felt like they were delicious, but I felt like the title of was somewhat redundant like would you ever go to the grocery store and you see salted pretzels versus unsalted pretzels and purchase the unsalted ones no that's like a sick person's behavior agreed so like why the need to specify new york times i don't understand because like i guess salt sells Mm, i guess salt does sell why do you think that is i don't know there's something like I, I, i don't i don't know if it's like a diet thing or if it's like people are it's it is like fanciness Right? Like, don't you feel a little more fancy using pink Himalayan salt versus just like regular table salt? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Even, Even though, though it's like the same $2.99 bottle from Trader Joe's. And I can like honestly barely tell the difference palette wise. Like, it's more of like a textural thing and like a crunch thing. Like, those like Maldon salt cubes come in like big little chunkies. Mm-hmm. You know, those flakes which are, are great. Really like, I'm not putting like the Morton girl all over my cookies or whatever. No, <laughs> like, psychotic. Psychotic. <laughs> but like, I see, I see these little like diamond crystals, and I'm like, yeah, a little here, a little here, a little here. Like, yeah, truly. But it can't. Texture. It can't be like a health thing either, though, because like, I don't know. Maybe it's like a. I think it just is like a complexity. It's like, oh, like if I put salt on this, then like maybe that's like the legitimacy of like a real baker. Maybe it's somewhat the element of the unexpected. I don't think yeah. people traditionally think of the classic Toll House chocolate chip cookie as having flaked sea salt on top. No. Once you put it there, you're like, ooh, this is a little exotic. It's a little, it's a little, a little different. And like <laughs> people are addicted to having things not taste quite like they should taste. Because maybe we're in a rut or something, but like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm kind of 
done with like I keep using sea salt but like don't hang your hat on it okay I agree with that I can get behind it but sea salt on its own great great perfect perfect ingredient no notes just I guess like don't put too much on because that tastes bad but okay last scenario here the weekend announces a surprise new album out Friday featuring Jim Carrey does the governor need to be called Initial response is yes. Okay. But I think I need more information before I can give a definitive answer. I think I'm very intrigued by the situation. Um, Jim Carrey, does he sing? Is he rapping? Is he like providing? <laughs> is he rapping? <laughs> I don't know. I, I really hope he's not rapping. Um, and I like a Jim's interlude would be funny I think are you a big like weekend fan in general or yeah I like the weekend I think mm-hmm. time and place I don't like sit around listen to the weekend all day but I think when you're in the mood to listen to the weekend it can great it can be great and also a 2021 thing I did not think his Super Bowl halftime show was so terrible like so many people did oh yeah I, I didn't think I didn't think it was terrible it was a little boring and didn't have enough spectacle compared to like some I think there other years. But... COVID constraints, perhaps, but yeah. I, on the whole, enjoyed it, and I, I do enjoy his music. Um, I, I think I can't again can't listen to it all day. But back to Jim Carrey. What else? Yeah. What other information do we have about this situation? So he dropped a trailer today. It's pretty. I mean, it's kind of like same as it ever was. Like he's still doing his like sunglasses '80s kind of lounge lizard thing that he was doing on his like blinding lights era stuff yeah. the album it, it dropped like a features list that includes jim carrey tyler the creator lil wayne i'm probably i'm forgetting a few other people but like that's kind of like the broad strokes of it but it didn't say whether any of these people were actually on the album or it was part of some like visual accompaniment because everyone's doing like a short film with their albums these days I feel like he's honestly so trippy in the first place that I'm just excited to see what he comes up with next and decide excited to see what he puts out next. I'm going to say no, don't call the governor because I think there is potential for it to be interesting. Yeah, I think the songs will be good. Like I've really enjoyed his pivot to like 80s new wave pop a lot more because I, I've not been like a ginormous weekend fan in the past outside of like a few songs, but like the last album was so good to me that I'm like ready. And I don't think that we have a lot of good male pop stars. I don't know if you want to disagree with, with that. that. Okay. Um, no, I don't disagree. I think on the whole, I generally like male artists better than female artists just okay. for my own listening pleasure. Um, but I think the females have really been in the spotlight lately with Adele yeah. and Taylor Swift. And I, I agree that we could use some more of it. Yeah. Like I will definitely take the weekend over like Ed Sheeran or mm-hmm. Harry Styles. Like I like Harry Styles as a person, but I don't find like, I think his image is a lot more interesting and debate worthy than the music is like the music is just Maroon 5. I agree with that. I do like Ed Sheeran a lot. I also recently listened to his episode on Dak Shepard's podcast. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I, I just kind of enjoy listening to artists in that arena sometimes because it kind of makes them more three-dimensional. You learn more about their background. You kind of hear what their personality's like. And it made me like him a lot more. Interesting. Yeah, maybe I've never listened to the Dak Shepard podcast because he kind of darks me out sometimes so I like just I mean just like he he and Kristen Bell are always talking about their relationship and the tabloids and I'm like like keep some stuff to yourself yeah also like if it was really as great as you like put it out to be you wouldn't have to talk about it all day exactly but they also talk about like darker stuff too that I'm like I guess it's good that you're talking about this but it's like weird I don't know. I guess all this stuff comes from the podcast though. So like if he's like being confessional about it, then like that is what it is. But like I always consume like news about him. I don't know, like relapsing and like them getting into like screaming fights and stuff through like the Daily Mail or TMZ, like third party source. So it feels like a little bit more tabloidy, I guess, than like hearing it from the pod 
mm-hmm. proper, but I think, I don't know. I think for that reason, I've generally kind of avoided it, even though I really like Chris Nabell in things. There, I think she's adorable. She's great. She's always great. I'm like kind of excited actually for that. Um, I don't know the title off the top of my head, but she's doing some like Netflix woman in the window parody interesting tv show that i think is coming out next week or in two wait parody weeks. of the movie yeah and all those like drunk women see something and no one believes oh, her shows hmm. i really did not like woman in the window oh it was horrible i read the book and i'm a pretty big reader and i i will not stop reading a book once i've started it but i was very close to putting that one down but i didn't i continued yeah but really was not a fan whatsoever and that's one the oh the, I mean the movie was like god awful which was such a shame because I love Amy Adams and Julianne mm-hmm. Moore and so Jennifer much- Jason Lee like all these people are, are great in things and then trippy like no real plot it was just kind of I don't know it, it was shot so awful it was shot like a powerpoint <laughs> like I couldn't <laughs> believe like it's just the scene Netflix get it together it was yeah like the um the Netflix film experience can be a little hit or miss though though I did watch yesterday um The Lost Daughter which is based it just came out like two days ago it's based off of the Elena Ferrante Mm -hmm. novel though I think it's from like 15 years ago but I would absolutely recommend I have not read the books or any of like Ferrante's work which I'm like I know I'm like a bad reader for not doing that but like I'm a good reader and I haven't read it so don't feel badly I've heard that like Neapolitan trilogy is like my brilliant friend or whatever it's called is life-changingly good but I just haven't I'm not as I'm not as voracious of a reader as you are which (laughs) I'm trying to change I did read a book last week though hey 2022 goals we'll see if I get another one done this week but I do I guess I'll recommend um I read crying in H Mart by Michelle Zahner I've heard great things it was so good I will lend it to you if you would like to read it because I I, like I was crying throughout the whole thing was so good um take a trip to H Mart together absolutely I've been dying because like um I have not had good Korean food since I moved from LA and I know there is really good Korean food in Chicago and I'm very down to seek it out because it's good stuff and this book made me very hungry so because it's like it's like a culinary memoir of grief wow sounds beautiful elegantly cultural for sure um 10 out of 10 recommend okay we're gonna take a quick break and we're gonna be right back and we are back Let's move on to this episode's cultural emergency. Allison, what are you rushing to the ER today? Today, something I really want to unpack with you is the concept, the word, the trend that is chuggy. And okay. this is something that I have been thinking about, that I've been grappling with. I think it is, for those who are unfamiliar, it's kind of hard to define. I think it's something where when you see it, you know it. Mm-hmm. But to define chuggy, I think it's something that's a little out of style, not dramatically out of style, not quite basic. I think basic is when you're just kind of doing the same thing as everyone else and it's unoriginal. Chuggy is slightly out of style, but it's not disastrous yet. And I think it's something that very much coincides with millennial women. And okay. my understanding is that it was coined by Gen Zers or it's very much used by Gen Zers. Yeah, that sounds and- right. Like, when I think of chuggy, I think basic, I guess, as like sort of a lateral term, but like basic feels very much like the, the like early 2010s to mid 2010s version. Like, well, I don't know. Things that were basic at that point in time are now chuggy. Yeah, that seems like a good, that seems good. I doubt, like chuggy is like very explicitly a TikTok thing, but like to you and your experience, what are some examples of like chuggy things? So it, it's hard because I think it's very nuanced. Um, mm-hmm. I think, for example, I think Soul Cycle is a little chuggy, but Peloton is not. So it's not just like spin classes. I think having little signs or being obsessed with drinking rose or saying like rose all day is chuggy, 
but the act of drinking rosé itself during the summer is not true. No, because like you can't not drink rosé during the summer. It's like a necessity. (laughs) Right. But it's so funny that you bring up the soul cycle Peloton dichotomy because Peloton absolutely ruined soul cycle I think <laughs> like, oh yeah destroyed it would not be caught dead in a soul cycle class I actually went recently over Thanksgiving break okay it no, ignore what I just said I'm not no, trying no. To drag it was, no 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 yeah. I went with my sister she had never been before and okay. was soul cycle curious so I decided to join her on her inaugural journey and it was fun it was a good workout. I had to wear a mask, was breathing real heavy. I felt a little self-conscious because I was the only one in there wearing a matching set. And I feel like those who were like head to toe Lulu were the chuggy ones. Yeah. It was not the chuggy one in my matching active set. I thought it looked awesome in it, if I'm being honest here. Um, but yeah, so I feel like head to toe Lulu is a little chuggy. Yeah. I feel like being in a sorority is not chuggy, but being obsessed with your sorority and wearing your letters all the time is chuggy. Yeah. That seems, that tracks to me, like, that, that was, like, I mean, we, we were both in college, like, in, like, the mid-2010s, like, that was, like, considered, quote-unquote, basic back then, but, like, it was normalized, but, like, that was, like, wearing, like, spirit jerseys or whatever was, like, kind of basic. A spirit jerseys are very chooky now. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that kind of culture is gonna come back, though in Mm. some sort of like revival because we're already having like an early 2010s revival as it is like I feel like we're like fully in the thick of the tumblr era oh again um, except we're yeah it's just it's all on tiktok now it's just not on yeah tumblr but like it is an inevitability where like like we're listening to red again we're like it's only a matter of time before we get like mason jar shot glasses and like (laughs) like personalized like like glass tumblers and stuff like yeah or like the sparkly tumbler yeah going back to the mason jar shot glasses I think with the popularity of things such as kombucha which are very much in right now I think mason jars kind of go hand in hand with that I don't think you can drink kombucha not out of a mason jar no it's homemade right yeah because like it's in the jar in the first place like what you're gonna move it from the jar to glass like it's just it's silly it's silly 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 like there but it's chewy but it's like functional I guess like right that's why I feel like there is not as much of a negative connotation with chewy as there is with basic yeah I feel like chewy you can own being chewy whereas if you're called basic like you gotta change immediately yeah because like basic I mean we've sort of outlined it but like basic is chuggy but dated yes like if you're a basic you're like six or seven years in the past and mm-hmm. you can't be helped and you need to seek treatment yeah I agree but what so what is like what does a chuggy person look like out in the wild I would say mid to late 20s maybe early 30s okay. they're wearing perhaps golden goose sneakers oh, yeah um maybe lululemon leggings or yoga pants and some sort of like tight fitted t-shirt I would say um that's maybe like the casual chuggy look if you want more of the elevated chuggy look and we're going like bougie chuggy I'd say the gucci belt with the double g's Mm -hmm. or like the hermes belt with the big h those are quite passe um i think just trying to show the fact that you own something that's gucci or or hermes just to prove a point whereas i think now what's in style is more like levi's or thrifting or diy and just like being down to earth and being thoughtful about the earth and upcycling and whatnot yeah Um, like you're like returning to like crunchy y2k aesthetics like everyone's dressing like avril lavigne again right now which is very like hand-me-down like brother jeans and Mm -hmm. like big flannels levi's yeah all that you are absolutely coming for all the bama rush talk girls (laughs) but throwing both the belts into it and golden goose i didn't know what golden goose was until 
the Bama Rush talk mm. videos. Not that I'm like the target brand for that or like Love Shack Fancy or any of that stuff, but like, yeah. I don't know. Brands, but like, that was not like when we were in college, I feel like the Golden Goose equivalent were just like either like high top Converse or Stan Smith's, at Stan least a Duke. Like, sure. that's kind of what the thing was. Yeah. I remember junior year of college, everyone came to school with the Adidas with the three black stripes. And I yep. was like, I used to wear these to play tennis at summer camp when I was 12. Yeah. But I guess it's back in style now. It's back. And now everyone's doing like the Air Force Ones as their like white sneaker choice. And two years ago is those like chunky Fila. Yep. Disruptor <laughs> shoes. Yep. Yeah. Which I, unfo- I owned a pair of those and wore them way out. <laughs> but probably a year too late after they were stylish. But no, I... But that would be chuggy now. Yeah, I think something else that's chuggy moving away from footwear a little bit is having stick straight hair and flat ironing your hair to make it stick straight. And I think that kind of coincides too with people just not damaging their hair as much and kind of going for a more natural look, which is, I think, something that has emerged with the more crunchy clothing vibe. Yeah, absolutely. Like... If you have to like plug something in to get ready for the day, like that's chuggy. Just let yeah. it let it air dry, <laughs> comb it out. Like, oh my gosh, that's so funny that you mentioned that. Like Arthur and I, um, friend of the pod, boyfriend of the pod, Arthur Shot Lopez and I watched the pilot episode of Sex in the City oh last night, which is something the that neither of us had ever seen. Yeah, because we've never. I have seen the first movie. Okay. Three times, probably. I, I have say, never seen an episode of the regular show. Has not aged well, but I would love to hear your thoughts of I, the trick of the. I pilot. don't. I, I don't. I we only watched the pilot um, before moving on. To only murders in the building, and like, but like, no one on that show, at least in the pilot, has like stick straight hair, except Samantha to an extent. But like this, the cut is so like interesting that you're like, okay, it's right. fine. Well, I guess fine. Charlotte has the closest there is to like stick straight hair, but even she has that like '90s like. She has a nice do- blowout always, though. Yeah, she is like a dry bar queen. Like, oh yeah, she, her hair like she's like one of those girls who gets her goes to dry bar like twice a week, and For it's sure. just like fried the fuck out, and like she is like going through Costco jugs of argan oil to get that shit like <laughs> under control um but no like everyone else is just like rocking like either like the short like messy crop like Miranda or like Carrie I love Carrie's like curly stuff and it's like interesting and cool yeah and like I feel like we're only just now getting back to those kinds of hairstyles because like everyone I feel like for the past whatever year has been like flat ironing or like Oh yeah, I'm definitely. I will say, so I started the reboot as well. Mm -hmm. I think going on the conversation of hairstyles, I would say they're pretty consistent with the original. Miranda is now gray, and that's kind of a topic of conversation. But again, back to natural, she's doing what her body is doing, right? Like that's fine. That's normal in fifties, sixties, however old she is. I will say there's so little diversity in the original one, which I think it's a product of the times it was created in, which is early 2000s, where being inclusive and conscious of that was not at the forefront of mainstream conversation and thought. Whereas I feel like right now with the reboot, they're going so far in the other direction and just trying to cram everything that they neglected in the original one yeah. into three or four episodes where it comes off as a little much and a lot to take in and just too many storylines. But I do appreciate where they are going with it. Yeah, like I think it's good to make an effort. Like if you're going to reboot, like you do have to sort of like meet the moment in an extent to an extent and like you know there are good ways to do it and bad ways to do it like I don't know I haven't seen the reboot so I don't know if they're being like excessively like preachy like I feel like Sex and the City the original is such like a frothy fun show that like them trying to like 
deal with like serious serious topics could go like one way or the other like it's either like done so heavy-handed or like I think mm. the one issue I have with the way they're doing it is that they're addressing it through the characters in a way that so the original characters are not remaining true to themselves yeah like if you think about the way that Charlotte Miranda and Carrie are navigating certain situations in the reboot and then you think back back to the original episodes would have never happened yeah and so I think keeping them true to themselves while also navigating the 2020-2021 world I think would have been more well received yeah because it seems like people are really watching it oh for sure you can't but like everyone is just complaining specific I've been seeing a lot of complaints about Sara Ramirez's character and I cannot speak to the I cannot speak to what what's happening right now, but it's a big meme on gay Twitter right now that like, hey, it's Che Diaz. It's been accompanied by like horror movie soundtracks and like like Drew Barrymore and Scream picking up the phone and it's hey, it's Che Diaz. Which is that's amazing. Yeah. I will say I was very happy to see them in yeah. the show as a huge Grey's Anatomy Grey's fan. fan yeah. yeah maybe uh, a little embarrassed that I still watch it I'm a few episodes behind but at this point oh I'm you're like a far. current Grey's viewer yeah, still yeah yeah it, it's not good Damn. full stop yeah it's not good but I, I feel like I've made it this far I need to remain loyal and see it through to the I end. know like if you're in it you're in it like that's kind of how I am with SVU like mm-hmm. I'm a I haven't really watched this new season that much but like it's been on for 25 years and I'm not gonna stop. Yeah, I'm not gonna stop now. So um is but like do you think that like sex in the city as or like fixating on sex in the city is chuggy behavior to like take it back to the original topic? Because I feel like there definitely is a strain of girl or gay in particular who like fixates on the show as like a model of what New York is supposed to be. If that is how you are conceptualizing the show, then yes. Mm-hmm. I lived in New York for four years and that is not what life in New York is like. I think young 20-somethings or young 30-somethings don't live uptown. They live downtown. They go to different places and they go in the show. They wear different things. They take the subway. They, I, I think they live their lives in a different way, but that also could be that I lived in New York 20 years after they the show was yeah supposed to take place um I, I think it's a little chewy to go around saying are you a charlotte or a carrie or a miranda or whatever you yeah. want that paradigm but i don't think the show itself is chuggy i think it's a classic and will always be a classic and i i think it's somewhat timeless um just like other shows such as friends are i think there are a few others in this kind of canon that will not ever lose their weight uh, yeah. but I, I do think conceptualizing it in that way is somewhat chuggy yes fascinating and, and to ask yeah, a chuggy question on. which one are you charlotte for sure okay i see Not that charlotte. i can see that yeah <laughs> i think i'm like a i would not, I feel like it's chewy to call myself a Carrie, but I feel like I'm like a Carrie-Sam hybrid, which is- I was going to say the same for you. Weird. It's a weird hybrid, but like, that's kind of- works, for sure. Yeah. I don't know. My my Sex in the City is girls. Like, I was such mm. a girls freak back in the day. Like, oh, it's, it's <laughs> so good. Another show that's like- I don't even want to say it's like age poorly because it hasn't it's like it's lumpy but it's so so good and definitely I it is like the early 2010s version Mm. of Sex and the City and I feel like it's very true to like what our like post-grad experiences have been more so than like Sex and the City but Sex and the City is also about women in their like early to mid 30s not like post-grads okay so girls will take me through the cold chicago winter i agree i i I really do think like if you're looking for a binge i am it's it's such a good show it's such a good show and like lena dunham like is a mess but she is also like a genius writer love that but i feel like it's like like there will be a time when like liking girls is chuggy but that time hasn't come yet like I'm really waiting 
like either like the TikTok girlies are either going to like latch onto the show and like obsess over it or like the Puritans are going to come out and be like, whoa, this is like so great. Like, how did we get away with this? Because like every show has to be like, Sense8 or Emily in Paris right now so oh my God. I don't know. Emily in Paris the show itself is not chuggy but the character Emily in Paris 100% chuggy yeah yeah I not to tie it together but like I once saw Lily Collins and Lena Dunham together oh. dining wow. in my old neighborhood in LA yeah. and that was a fun fun sighting I have no I only got through we almost did Emily in Paris for the topic today it has to be said and (laughs) I which would have been tough for me to binge the entire show yeah in two days because I got through half of the first episode and had to put it down so yeah I think the only reason I really have stayed loyal to it is because I am a girl from Chicago who in Paris so I'm like yeah. I am Emily in Paris you are Allison in Paris <laughs> and I love seeing Paris and I love seeing where she's going and I love hearing them speaking French but I think if it was Emily in London or Emily in Prague I would not have the same yeah sort of um love for it that I do it's so interesting that it's become sort of this like influencer status show like it's I think it's quote-unquote cool mm-hmm. to genuinely like Emily in Paris now and like in new york like literati types are now gravitating towards and like in it like jeremy o harris is in this season and like a big role which is so crazy (laughs) like to write slave play and be in emily in paris is range which character does he play he's the um one of the fashion designers i guess Okay. I think he's a fashion. He's like the upstart fashion designer. Yes, yes, yes. I know exactly yeah. who you're talking about. I don't know character names, unfortunately, but um, I don't know. Maybe I'd watch for that. And like, I love Kate Walsh. Yeah. And I know she's like more in it this season. Like one of the reasons I had to tap out of the pilot is because, and I don't mean to be rude. I just like couldn't believe that this like, 56 year old woman was like a pregnant and be like turning down a trip to Paris just because she was pregnant and sending this like ding dong (laughs) in her place like it just defied credulity but I like I like Lily Collins just like yeah I theoretically I like her I think she's interesting great picks from her wedding this past year oh yeah she has such good style like sure. I was, I was thinking yesterday. Oh my god! Oh, the eyebrows are uh, like unbelievable. Like there are so few celebrities who have like genuinely good personal style. I think. Like I was just thinking about this yesterday because some pictures of, and I hate to say it because I love her, but like Florence Pugh dropped. Mm. And call the governor. I mean, it's 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 not good. Like she's like it's. It is chuggy because she's wearing like strawberry dresses. You know that like strawberry dress everyone was into with like chunky, chunky, chunky platform, like dolls, kills, heels, which are just like, it's so like facsimile of like an edgy girl. And she has like punk, punky hair now. I hate that. Like. I thought it's you were going to so say chunky bad. jewelry and not chunky shoes. No. That's another chuggy thing. Yeah. Chun- jewelry, like the costume jewelry from J. Crew that you wear over. Yeah. Like, like a cowl neck or something. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Cowl neck. Terrible. <laughs> cowl neck. <laughs> yeah. I think jewelry is kind of hard not to be chuggy though, because it's so it's tough to know like what's too. in right now. Like I can speak from from the gay boy's perspective wearing pearls as a boy right now is like the chuggiest thing you can do I, I think, think like girls too I used to wear pearl earrings every day and now I think I've- pearls for girls weirdly is like classy Audrey Hep- well Audrey Hepburn is chuggy but perpetually chuggy unfortunately but like the, still icon great but like she she's been like Meryl and Monroe to Helen back in that like all these people who have probably not seen Breakfast at Tiffany's or Roman Holiday or all these things are just like looking at like one poster you can get a Target and basing their entire personalities off of it. Like it's just a hard, hard look to emulate. 
Um, but like pearls are like timeless and classy. And I feel like it's like, I think we're entering like a bit of a preppy moment again, which is why Bama Rush Talk, I think really hit. What are your thoughts on J. Crew? Like it's, it is like, I think it's actually basic, mm. honestly. Like I, there is something very dated about going to J. Crew. I do have a lot of J. Crew in my closet because I went to college in the South mm-hmm. in the early to mid 2010s. So yeah, I have a lot of J. Crew and I still wear a lot of like all of my like whatever khaki chino stuff are all J. Crew. But like I feel I like the- think there is a significant difference between khaki chinos from J. Crew and from Nordstrom, right? No. So I no. think in that sense, it's fine, but and like, not- I don't want to pay like a fuck ton of money for like basic pants. I'm not right. like, you know, we're in grad school. We're not, we're not like made of money right now, but like, I think like the truly equivalent for like kind of like basic essentials right now is like Uniqlo. Mm, yeah. But at the same time, staple pieces and basic underpinnings and whatnot don't need to be so exorbitant no so I think in that sense it's okay but I would agree with you know your everyday wardrobe is not coming from there no like we're sort of returning to like basic essentials and minimalism a little bit as just like a sui generis style outside of like the y2k revival like mm-hmm. I'm glad I haven't gotten rid of a lot of like the j crew stuff I have or like like my stuff from like god forbid like theory because (laughs) like what was not in like three or four years ago is now back so like sure I'm happy to like I'm happy I like kept this because like now and now I live in a place where like I actually need to have like warm pants and like sweaters like basic sweaters and stuff because it's like 17 degrees outside so like what am I going to do like I'm not, I'm not, I, I can't even think of where I was shopping like two years. I was buying a lot of vintage. That's kind of still where I do like most of my new yeah. shopping, I guess. But like, I don't know. I guess if I had like an essence budget for things, maybe I'd be shopping at essence more. Okay. <laughs> I have a question right. for you about a, a brand I also have only heard of recently. Okay. Aritzia. Oh Is Aritzia Chugi? I hope not, because half my wardrobe is Aritzia. <laughs> okay. So what is Aritzia? Where is it from? Is okay, it new? So or is like... It is not. So Aritzia, I think, originated in Canada. Okay. And growing up, I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. There was an Aritzia at my mall, which is, I think, why I always knew about it. I think I started shopping there maybe senior year of high school or early college, Maybe that makes it chuggy just because it's been around for a while, but I don't Mm -hmm. think so. I think the thing with Aritzia is that once you have a handful of items, several items from there, everything kind of starts to look the same. Their thing is kind of like elevated, interesting basics, mostly solid colors, sometimes a pattern, but just a lot of very um, neutral things that you can wear over and over. And I actually just recently bought a pair of leather pants from there. I was very pleased purchase um I have a few blouses from there I have some work clothes from there it is not cheap per se but definitely doesn't break the bank and they have sales quite frequently but yeah I think it is making not an emergence but I think a lot of people are becoming newly aware of Aritzia's existence I think I don't know if this is a, a, a grand unified theory of Aritzia, but like to me, I started hearing less and less about Everlane and more and more about Aritzia. And I don't know if that's a one-to-one substitute to use our econ, a perfect mm-hmm. substitute or whatever. <laughs> Sorry for the trauma, but um so sure if that's like um if that's a fair comparison because like I always think of Everlane as being like kind of a chewy brand interesting I don't know as much about Everlane I think I should maybe because I know it was pretty popular in New York yeah but I think I always gravitated towards Aritzia because that's where where, yeah that you were like socialized into Aritzia Yeah, Yeah. yeah 
I think it's, I just have a lot of staple pieces that I think about. So something from Ritzy that I think about that may be chooky is I have a few plaid skirts from there, like wool plaid skirts that you wear with tights and a black turtleneck, not to trigger Elizabeth Holmes, you know? Yeah. (laughs) It was like always my Thanksgiving outfit. Okay. You're, you're literally living a meme right now, by the way, because there was some, I think this was like two or three years ago, like, um, I don't remember. I wish I could credit this Twitter user because I think about this every holiday season. But like, (laughs) someone was like, oh, the black turtleneck girls with the corduroy skirts and the plaid skirts are out in full force this year. Thanksgiving. Yeah. It's like become a uniform. Yeah. So I've had them for a few years. They've been in my closet and I actually revived them this year. I haven't worn them in a few years. I don't really know what prompted me to do so. I think I went to a 90s themed birthday party and was like, oh, plaid skirt, share from Clueless. Perfect. And I wore it. I was like, you know what? Like, I think this is still kind of cute. Yeah. But instead of my turtleneck I wore a black bodysuit with like a scoop neck which is very that's the 2022 version like I think that made it a little more modern and wore like different boots than like my little booties with a little heel that I would wear in college yeah so trying to be thoughtful with use wearing what's in my closet not purchasing new clothes to invest but also being thoughtful to not be irrelevant and outdated and an outfit that's comprised of essentials will always be have like a timeless neutral quality to it it's mm-hmm. about how you like not to be like fucking brad goreski but it's about <laughs> how you like style the outfit to like that i think like takes it one way or the other like the the booties versus like whatever like 90s platform boot choice that is like Robert Frost that is like, Robert Frost it would be like quaking to make that choice today two two roads diverged in Arrowwood yeah and booties <laughs> the booty road I think it's like yeah. that's that's the road you should not it's be taking the road less traveled by less, and that made all the difference yeah <laughs> absolutely um okay so how so like it sounds like chuggy is not necessarily a negative thing, but like, do you think I it needs think, to be addressed or like, how do you think it's going to evolve? I think it's something to be aware of. I think, again, the things that may be a little tricky with it is number one, it's very nuanced. And number two, it's not static. I think it'll evolve as the times evolve. And like we're saying, I think things that are maybe slightly chuggy now in five years will be in style. So yeah. except for low rise skinny jeans, those will never be in style. I don't know why anyone ever wore those in the first People place. are trying them right now, but like you literally cannot wear those unless you're like 5'11 and a size zero. Like it is a true like four models only kind of look. High rise skinny jeans, are think, I think are fine. But Oh yeah, like I, I and those are back in for men now to yeah. not skinny jeans, like not, not skinny jeans, but um. I do the skinny jean revival is going to be a tough one because that's very like early 2010s like American apparel culture noise that I don't think any of us are ready for but like um I recently bought a pair of Madewell jeans usually I, I just go like a class I do too and but like this and this is my first pair and I think I might never go back but like I usually I'm just like a classic like Levi's mm-hmm kind of guy these guys are a little stiff I don't think they're that comfortable to wear I think if you wear them in I've had the same pair of the same two pairs of Levi jeans for almost 10 years now and they just like they're just so comfy now and like they still look good too like they fade enough but like these Madewell ones that I got are like just the natural fit of them the the waist is like up to my belly button basically which is like so foreign (laughs) but that's the thing right now everyone's doing these like these are like quote unquote like 90s style jeans where they're like it's like a straight leg kind of like a slightly baggier fit I got the same pair yeah they're comfy and they look good but I'm like it's so weird to like have and like not to be crass but like such a long (laughs) crotch on your jeans I'm like how do people do this like important question though do these jeans have rips in them no, 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 no. I do have ripped jeans, which is like very bad of me. I know, but like, Hi. I, oh, I think it's I like think slight rippage is okay. I think like gaping holes 
I don't have like gaping holes, but I have like these were also bought pre-rip to like um like not slits, but like little like rips in the knees of both like a pair of like light wash denim, which is like see, I'm like digging a hole for myself because (laughs) I bought these jeans in 2018. no, I will never buy an acid wash. Oh my God. Never. I, I like like just a classic. I don't need like, I don't need raw denim. I don't want to like stain my couch blue. Like I don't need any of these like f- Japanese denim. Like just give me like a, a normal fucking jean. Like I don't need like Blackbird spy plane to tell me like to wear, to buy my <laughs> pants, you know? So there. I don't know. But these Madewell jeans are like sort of kicking my ass. But like I do... Like you kind of have to suffer to be trendy a little bit, which is like hard to say out loud, but all about balance. All about balance. All right. Well, I think we need to move on to our final segment. All right. So we're gonna play tear the community apart. So I think you're familiar with the rules, but for any new listeners after our holiday special, the rules are pretty simple. I've picked two songs, and you are going to tell me which one is better. Okay. So I really dug back into the archives today to two emo adjacent hits from the mid 2000s. How did you know my favorite genre? Wild guess. Fallout Boy fan. (laughs) Well, we're not talking about Fallout Boy today, (laughs) but two kind of like B tier bands with some, I think, A plus songs. So, romance. Not that, not that. <laughs> I would, I really, I would like to do like a whole episode on like my chemical romance one day, um, and just like the culture around that. But which song is better? "Dirty Little Secret" by the All American Rejects, oh, a classic, or "The Great Escape" by Boys Like Girls. Oh man, this is a hard one. I would have to go with Dirty Little Secret. Okay. I love the All-American Rejects. Me I don't know too. what else to say about it. <laughs> They're great. Like, I don't know where they came from, but I remember hearing, um, I was playing MLB 2003, like the like baseball video game, like when I was yeah. like eight. <laughs> on and, your desktop in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think... I, it was on my like rinky dink PSU on like the like small spare TV my dad had or whatever. It was like three pixels, but like swing swing was on the soundtrack. And I was like, what is this? Like, this is so good. <laughs> and then Dirty Little Secret came out the week I got my first iPod and was like oh one of the God. first five songs I downloaded. That's incredible. Just playing on repeat all day. Repeat, repeat. Incredible. great band i'm kind yeah. of surprised they're not having like a resurgence of some sort well, i know i agree with that i feel like that would very much be welcomed because like emo never really died like just because like, I, I like i'm not like an emo expert by any means but like um like just, even when it's not in the mainstream or whatever, like there have been so many like emo bands that have just been like chugging along. And I think they're on the fourth wave of emo right now. Like, don't quote me on that, but <laughs> like, I'm surprised that it's not entered the mainstream. Yeah. Though maybe it will. Cause like the pop punk thing is like way yeah. back right now. Love but... some Paramore, some Jack's Mannequin. Oh yeah. <laughs> Absolute bangers. Like Paramore's coming back with a new album this year too. They announced, which I'm like so excited about. Oh, I did not know that. But there was that whole controversy with Olivia Rodrigo and Paramore. Yeah. So I feel like that kind of put them back in the spotlight a little bit too. It sucks because the Paramore member who was making all the fuss is like the one who got kicked out of the band basically for being like super homophobic and evangelical, which is like very much not the vibe of like. No, not at all. The other members and like I don't think good for you sounds like anything like a I mean it's like pop punk or whatever but like I don't I can't hear like a specific Paramore song in there I think it's similar in the sense that like I can see high school me jamming out to it with oh yeah in my bedroom with the door closed oh my god 26 year old me this year (laughs) blasting it in my bedroom jamming out like full like hairbrush microphone and everything like oh my god I um I don't know. I would, I would definitely welcome like 
I guess their last two albums have been like a little poppier than their early stuff, but like I still really like them. And like I would welcome them going back to their like rock roots or whatever, or just like the Paramore album in general. They're great. Uh, yeah, I feel like, like they would have all the support they need with it. Boys Like Girls is definitely, I think, a lesser band from this mm-hmm. time period. I feel like they have random hits rather than really loyal fans. Yeah, absolutely. Though they did weirdly have that crossover song with Taylor. What song was that? I think it, okay, hold on. We're fact checking on the pod, which we almost never do here, but I don't remember what it's called. Boys like girls. Typing noises are so fascinating for podcasting. I'm sure everyone's like thrilled by this right now. Oh, it's called Two is Better Than One. Oh, I know that song. It's kind of ballady. I liked it, honestly. Yeah, they have some I remember that. Yeah, good yeah, yeah. hits. But like, I think The Great Escape is like definitely their, their best one. one. Yeah. Do you remember that song? This is so random. Do you remember that song, Hey There, Delilah? Yes. Yes. Unavoidable. Yeah. And then there was like all that discourse about like who is Delilah and she was just some like rando track star. Oh yeah. And when your high school boyfriend broke up with you, you just listened to that in your room on repeat. Yeah. Yeah. That era was like, there were so many like random bands with like one-off hits that just like were everywhere at that time. Like Check Yes Juliet by, I don't even know the band, but like iconic. It wasn't all time low, was it? No, I don't think it was all time low. Wow, I've never really had like a big hit hit. They just like, they're one of those bands that has just had rabid fans for like 15 years now. Yeah. Or like, um, you know, that's not Fall For You by Secondhand Serenade. Of course I know. Okay, yeah. I like, see, like that's, that's the sound that I think we're going to get back into. Mm-hmm. Like sad boy rock kind of, like soft. Yeah, like I would rather... Like, I find Sean Mendez's music so soporific, but if he did, like, a full for you, I would be all over that <laughs> shit. Like, that's Same. cool. Sound. Like, there, there's something, like, a little theater kitty about it. Yeah, agreed. But they're classics. They're staples of our high school experience. Oh, yeah. Like, I, um, I always associate songs like that with, like, middle school summer camp yeah dances I, I used to come back from overnight camp with like a whole list of songs that I needed to look up and oh yeah on my iPod. that's how like I got clued into um check yes julia because like yeah <laughs> like someone did like a camp dance to it the most I think the single most like inappropriate performance of anything any genre, any medium I've ever seen is still a, I was, this was summer t- 2007, I think. Oh, I was at summer camp in, on like the Eastern shore. And this girl named Winona, <laughs> which is like a crazy thing to name. Like if you were like- Can you imagine like, being in the hospital and looking at and be like, I'm going to name her Winona. As, this baby was born in like 95 or 96 too. So like you are literally naming your daughter after Winona Ryder, which like, I love Winona Ryder, but like, don't make it so obvious, you know? And she did what I will charitably call an interpretive dance performance to the song Hands Down by the Red Jumpsuit Apparatus, <laughs> which is about domestically abusing your girlfriend. <laughs> It was so, everyone was just like white as a sheet watching this woman, or one woman, she was like 12, like throw herself around the cafeteria of Washington College. Wait, did Winona know what was going on with this? I don't know. Like, I think she did. And she was like channeling like the inner pain of a woman 10 years her senior. And it was like, it was really compelling, but like, I was like, my God, <laughs> like, this is, this is so crazy. And like, maybe that was what my first, that might have been my first encounter with camp as a concept. And like flashbulb memory that will live in your brain forever. Because I really, I don't year. remember much else about that camp experience. Because it was the year that like Deathly Hallows came out, I think the Harry Potter oh, book. Yeah. So like everyone was like fan theoring it, but like, that was so memorable to me. I will never forget it as long as I live. 
that's an incredible story. Gosh, I hope Winona's well now because that's <laughs> Winona. If you're listening, there, there, there's a, like to channel that kind of darkness at like twelve is a burden. That's a, <laughs> a heavy cross to bear. So. Truly. All right. On that note, I think we have to wrap it up. But Allison, thank you so much for being here today. This was so fun. I can't stop. What? What? I can't stop thinking. I maybe I might I might need to like go find her after this. Like I don't remember anything else about her, but also like how many how many people are out there are named Winona these days. True, thank you so much. <laughs> if you want to be found on social media, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at abswimmer17. I have a Twitter, but I only follow. I don't really tweet. So my Twitter presence is not the most robust. So awesome. Instagram's where it's at. Awesome. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at fkapigs with a Z. And on Twitter, oh no, I'm sorry. You can follow me on Twitter at FKPigs with the Z and on Instagram at Drew Haskins with the Zs. Um, I really have tried to make that unilateral across both platforms that have not been successful. So sorry about that. Um, but you can find the official podcast social media pages now at Crisis Twin Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. And I really would love to get followers on both of those, not to be like, craven and sad but please uh please follow because that would be cool um i think we're done here <laughs> i'm like i like will go to sleep thinking about winona <laughs> so i'm sorry Same. to like put this out there but, but um i hope you guys what am i doing i never close the podcast this way i hope everyone out there is having a wonderful new year and uh Enjoy great new episodes coming your way in a few weeks. So thanks, Drew. All right. Thanks, Allison. All right. Bye, Bye. everyone.